This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. This is Clark, along with Rick and Ron, and while you can hear our voices, we're actually not really here. True story. No, it sounds as if we are, but that's the miracle of radio. We're on vacation, but our voices, well, they aren't, and neither are the voices of some of our favorite guests. So what you're going to hear for the next two hours are some of our best interviews from the past year, starting, well, starting right now. Our first guest is one of my favorite interviews anywhere in pro football, Steve Young, not only is a Hall of Fame quarterback, he's a Hall of Fame individual. It's something I learned firsthand in six years of covering the San Francisco 49ers. As you know, he was a six-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, and a six-time winner of league passing titles. What you may not know, however, is that he's one of the sharpest, most accommodating, and most intriguing guys to pass through the NFL. And someone who on his off day, which was a Tuesday, Offered to jumpstart my dead battery in the parking lot outside 49ers headquarters in Santa Clara. Steve, always a pleasure to talk hey, to you. Hey, Clark, is that, did my mom write that? <laughs> and, that and that's a true story, by the way. That was right, my first right. year of covering the beat, I and I remember you came out and said, hey. I, I, I always had an affinity with uh, you, know, you guys. I just, I don't know, just some connection I had. Maybe it was because we both were, uh, you know, outcast in the in the building for a little while. I knew <laughs> that, that might have been it. Hey, uh, Steve, first things first. Um, we've been talking about the Hall of Fame class for 2016 on the show. And, of course, Eddie DeBartolo, the former owner of the 49ers, is the contributor candidate. When we saw right. you and all three of us saw you in Canton last summer, you argued strongly for his inclusion. Mm -hmm. Could you tell our listeners why you think he belongs? There's a simple fundamental um, you know, and I mean, our friend Ira Miller always said, could you, could you write this history of the NFL without him? I'd say that's obviously you couldn't. But there's something more fundamental to Eddie's uh, Hall of Fame. Is, you, can, I mean, you guys have to decide what that really means and why. But for me, uh, having uh, an ability to change the game or, or the nature of the game or, the, or you know, the league itself, Eddie changed the relationship forever between owner and player. And people probably think that might be a reason not to have him in because they might be jealous and they might not like that. But the truth is a lot of the league's success today is built out of the partnership that has been forged through a lot of tears in dealing with the CBA between management owners and players. For years, that relationship was strained or broken and really never brought together in a true partnership. I think as much of a partner as players and owners are today, Eddie was the one that broached that subject and built it. And the successful owners today, the ones that have taken that, that mantle and developed a unique relationship with their players and had players say to you here publicly, I play for the Mara family. I play for the Roonies. I play for Robert Kraft. Those guys, they draw on that because they've drawn on that relationship that they have with the owners. And I think Eddie changed that dynamic and made it forever better and built that, that partnership between players and owners. And for that reason, you cannot exclude them. You know, you can have a lot of other discussions around Eddie, and we could talk about it for another hour, half an hour, but that fundamental fact, 
and, and, and those that don't want them in, some of your fellow voters, I would challenge them to say, is that not true? Is that not, a, a, you know, change the game and change the nature of the partnership that we all now get to enjoy the partnership between players and owners? And I think because of that, Eddie DeBartolo deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, one of the things that we look at, uh, Steve, with a lot of these kinds of guys, the sort of non-players, is the various things they did for the league. You know, the guys, yeah, they negotiated great television contracts or, or this, that, and the next thing. And, and with Eddie, it just seems to be, at least for, from the research I've done, just a little more difficult to actually sort through it and find what did he, like he did a ton of things for his team, obviously, but I, I may be in the minority, but I tend to downgrade that because you should do stuff for your team. You own the team. Right. You know, did he do enough for the league in your mind beyond this, the, the issue of player relationship? I mean, when you talk about contributor, you're talking about somebody who changed that dynamic. It was, trust me, I was playing in the era in the mid eighties and I know the number of guys that were talking about their relationships and it was, it was a broken relationship. We struck in 1987. Mm-hmm. And I was a part of it. Part of it was th- that broken relationship between management or owners and players. It was oh, not broken. It was never really forged. We can talk about that part of it another ha- uh, half an hour, but really, did it matter? Was it substantive? Did it affect change in the NFL forever? And I would argue yes. And you could people could argue it different ways. Other than excellence in long term, excellence over 20 years. I mean, we we had a run of ownership as coaches and players unprecedented. Maybe now being. Uh, uh, challenged by the Patriots if another five or ten years or five years uh, and and other teams maybe you can say uh, the Packers or the or the I mean I can't really say the Cowboys but because it was broken in, in two halves but consistency of, of, of excellence so that I mean that's that's what you go into the Hall of Fame for I mean that's why you do it so I don't know what else a contributor I mean there might be things that you guys are thinking about maybe I don't understand but uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lack of weight there I guess in my mind so so just as a follow-up is it fair to say that uh, those times that you're talking, I remember the famous quotation during one of the big labor battles was Dex Ram at the negotiating table y- yelling at Gene Upshaw, you don't get it. You're the cattle and we're the ranchers. Uh, oh, are you, I love are you, that. I love yeah, that you bring that up. Yeah. Because we always felt like chattel. We always did. And, we, and, and Eddie changed that. You weren't just a piece of meat. You weren't just... I love that you brought that up. I mean, I can't believe I said that. But, I mean, it was like that was the way. I, in fact, I was going to bring it up because Hugh Colberhouse once mentioned something to that in public. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't say that. But you said you actually said it. You know, like, yeah, I, 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 I think that that reflects why the league didn't expect. I mean, I think the expansion and success and how well and how, how healthy the league is today is because that partnership has been forged. And because that partnership, it can withstand, you've seen it, all kinds of struggles because that partnership's not going to be broken ever again. We're with Hall of Fame quarterback and ESPN analyst Steve Young on the Talk of Fame Network. And Steve, you live in the Bay Area. <laughs> I feel funny about that. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mentioned it. But uh, you live in the Bay Area. You, you live in the same town I used to live in. How much is Eddie missed there? Oh, there's no, I mean, there's no question. I mean, Eddie, I mean, how... <laughs> If you're only if you come in and take a team that's never been a winner, make it a winner for 20 years and then go away. How do you think people like? And then when you go away, it's not much of a winner. It's, I mean, I mean, Eddie. I mean, honestly, Eddie could walk down any street in San Francisco, and they, I mean, he, he's, uh, you know, chance would would start out immediately. And I think that's withstanding all of the things that people want to talk about as the negatives and all the things that happen. I mean, that's people are not. People aren't foolish. They don't. They're not just blinded, but they look at kind of the, the entirety of it all and just see the, the 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 capacity he had 
for developing a relationship and, and family, a sense of family, a sense of team, a sense of people kind of, you know, that's what they feel of the, 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 of the fans feel. In fact, the, the new owners, uh, the York family, really does play off of, maybe inadvertently, off of that the success they had back in the uh, 80s, 90s. Hey, Steve, I want to take it in a different direction here. If, if you had spent your career in Tampa, would we be talking to you today? Who knows? I mean, my <laughs> gosh, there's no question. Um, there's no question this is the ultimate team game. Any great football player who says they did it alone is foolish. There are extraordinary football players, but as Joe Thomas is finding out in Cleveland, you can struggle and never really get you – you're always a Sherpa. You're never actually – you never get to put the flag on top, you know. And, and then there's a number of – I go back and a number of guys that I see at the Pro Bowl who, because they weren't playing for a very good team, they maybe made the Pro Bowl. Maybe made, but you don't, you don't get a chance to kind of expand, like, you know, break out and, and, and have a platform. You have to have a platform in football. To be great, you, it's not golf or tennis. It's not you don't go forge it yourself. There's many times I wished I was a golf or tennis player. Trust me, <laughs> but but because it's football, it's in it's a nature. It's it's kind of like the same argument. Is Jerry is Jerry, was Jerry made by Joe and I or Joe and I made by Jerry or Bill Walsh? Was it, was it a system or was it the player? I mean, I, I, we know that there's a little of both, but we also recognize that if you don't have the system, if you don't have the coach. If you don't have the protection, you can't. You can't be great. So, Tampa was as dysfunctional of a uh, of, of an organization as I can or ever remember being with or seeing or kind of being around. It was rough. So that's my answer for you. <laughs> well, speaking of great, Steve, this has been a great experience for us. Unfortunately, we're out of luck, but. Good luck with the Eddie campaign, and I guess the Terrell Owens campaign. Well, and we hope, campaign. we hope I'm to see campaigning. you in San Francisco. I know, I know. I just, you you I want just, to see I him in, and there are a lot there. of people who want to see him. I understand it. Yeah. I know, but uh, I think, listen, I, think we, I, I just I, I believe what I believe, so I appreciate you guys giving me a chance to air it out. Okay, Steve. Okay, thanks, thanks Steve. Steve. Right, see you. <laughs> that was Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. In that neighborhood, it was almost impossible to get what we could afford. So I had set up alerts on Zillow to say, if anything in this area ever comes below a certain price point, it just popped up one day and I was like, oh my God, we have to go see it. It's a really wonderful neighborhood. And then to add on to that, how wonderful the house is, is so cool. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, Whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. You are on a spiritual journey towards savings. Your mind is drifting into uncharted territory as you use the Name Your Price tool to find policy options that fit your budget. Options that fit perfectly, like football pants or the unitard thingies restless wear. 
Experience inner peace with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to sos-usa.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest is one of my favorite persons in or out of the NFL. Dwight Clark not only was Joe Montana's favorite receiver before Jerry Rice arrived, he was one of Eddie DeBartolo's favorite people, too, with the 49ers later making him their general manager. He was a success as a player, and I don't need to remind you who made the catch. He was a success as a front office executive, keeping the 49ers at or near the top of the NFL after Joe left for KC. And he's always a success when he joins this show. Dwight, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me. And what an introduction. Wow. That was, that was good. <laughs> always a pleasure talking to you, Dwight. Hey, Dwight, we've been okay. talking to Eddie DeBarlow on the show, and we spoke to Joe in the first hour about Eddie's Hall of Fame candidacy. I'll ask you what we asked him. Why should Eddie DeBartolo be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You guys are voters, too, aren't you? We are. We are. Yeah, so I've got to convince you guys. Well, um, I don't know what Joe said, but we've all gotten together and talked about why and and all that stuff. And what we all came up with is NFL Hall of Fame is the best of the best. And if there's a better owner out there in the NFL, maybe even of all time, I'd have a hard time finding it. was a great owner. He oversaw the dynasty of the 49ers for like, I don't know, over 20 years. And he's got, obviously got the stats with 16 playoff appearances in 23 years, five Super Bowls in 14 years, 10 division championship games, seven seasons with 13 and three. But to me, what makes him the kind of guy that needs to be in the Hall of Fame is that he set the standard for the modern-day owners. It was not just football, either. I, I know that the new owners that were coming into the league, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft and Jerry Richardson, all modeled their organizations after the 49ers of the 80s. He gave the league a marquee team that uh, helped significantly grow the TV ratings in the 80s, which made the, the league stronger and better. 
put pressure on other owners to, to spend money to compete, which uh, which made the league stronger. So, you know, and obviously I love Eddie Wadlow. He's been so good to me, and I just think it would be a great feather in his cap, and it would be well-deserved because of, I know Bill had a lot to do with the success, but it was Eddie right there beside him approving all those things that Bill wanted to do, and you know, the fellowship coaches and the continued education. And not everybody thought Eddie should hire Bill Walsh, but Eddie saw something, and look what Bill turned into. So in my opinion, my humble opinion, I hope you guys will vote to put Eddie in there. And not only that, can you imagine, I mean, look what he's done for the, what he did for the 49ers. If he was in the Hall of Fame, he would help really build something special in Canton there. I'm sure he would put his financial support behind whatever kind of progress they wanted to make there. All right, well, so that's my spiel. That's a pretty good spiel. That's pretty good. i got to say, you're like Sold. a campaign manager. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an attorney, so don't argue with me about it. <laughs> oh, no, no. We're new, but this is not an argumentative place. It's very easy. Well, what was the best part of work for him, either as a player or as an administrator? He loved us. Uh, like we were family members, so we didn't want to let him down. It was easy to get up for games. We wanted to play hard for him. We wanted to win for him. He was, as you guys know, and he's unbelievably generous. After that third Super Bowl, he took us, not just the players and their wives, but the coaches and their wives, any employee and their husband, wife, whatever, to Hawaii for five days. We had our ring ceremony over there, and Huey Lewis was the entertainment. We it, it, it was ridiculous. He's so appreciative of what that those teams were able to do in the 80s and early 90s, and he paid it back tenfold. I wish I'd been covering the team then, Dwight. I would have liked to have made that trip. Uh, we're with former 49ers star Dwight Clark on the Talk of Fame. And Dwight, let's switch subjects here. We asked you what the best part of playing for Eddie was. Goose just asked you. I'm going to ask you, what was the best part of playing with Joe Montana? Wow. Well, Joe is, as you guys know, he's just a big kid. He just wants to compete and play the game and have fun. And you knew he was always prepared. No matter what the situation was, you know he could find a way to get you out of that. If it was a bad situation, you know, get you out of it, to get us down the field, to get that first down, find the open guy. When I give talks, I have to talk about the catch, obviously. And so I don't have to, I want to, but. I, I watch it a lot. You try to find out other little things that happen. And when you watch that final drive, the way he picked people apart and found open guys and stuck the ball in little tight windows, his ability, uh, the way he prepared, and then just being such a likable guy, it, uh, it made you want to, you know, you, you couldn't wait to get on the field with him because you just knew he was going to make you better. How tough was it uh, to see Joe leave San Francisco? You know, players always talk about, oh, you know, it's inevitable. People, they come and they go. Uh, but I'm wondering, what were your uh, emotions in 1994 as head of player personnel when you uh, you watched him beat the 49ers in, in Kansas City? I was actually on the way up in management. I had, uh, you know, I retired in 87, and then I was there in uh, 88 and 89, and then Joe gets hurt, and I, but... Yeah, I was I was kind of working my way up, and I couldn't believe they wanted to trade Joe Montana. I wasn't in favor of it at all. I understood the 
the money part and all that, but how could you do that to a four-time Super Bowl champion? And so I was totally against it, but but somehow, you know, and I, w- I was asked to try to get him to go, and he kind of took that the wrong way that I was in favor of him leaving, which I was not. And, and so there was about, after he left, there was, I don't know, several years, four or five, six years where there was, it wasn't bad blood. It was just, he and I didn't talk very much. And, you know, this was my best friend. So that, that was a little bit rough. But then when, when he retired, his wife invited me to the ceremony and, and all that stuff. And that's when we started to kind of heal a little bit. And uh, a few years after that, we, we totally got back together, talked it out and, and all that. And I had to make sure that he knew I had nothing to do with that. Cause that was <laughs> me. That was, uh, like I said, I understand he had been injured. There was a lot of money. Steve Young was player of the year, two years. I, under, I, I understand, but I still wouldn't have done it. We're with Dwight Clark on the Talk of Fame Network. And Dwight, I'll ask you the loaded question here. Uh, Joe and former uh-huh. San Mateo resident Tom Brady each have four Super Bowl rings. So when you look at Tom Brady, do you see Joe, and I'm not talking about style, I'm just talking about his ability to win big games. I know Brady gets compared to Joe constantly. I do see some similarities out there on the field. Brady's a winner, and, that, and you know, that's what Joe is. But I just, to me, Joe Montana's the greatest football player, not just quarterback. He's the greatest football player they ever played. Because I was in the huddle with him. I've, I've seen what he's done back there, you know, where he'd say, you know, if the defender's coming from your backside left, I'll hit you on the right side so you don't get turned into the tackle. And, you know, I'm like, you can't do that with all that stuff going on back there. So you start paying attention to it, and he could hit numbers if he needed to. He, he was just so accurate, and he had such presence out on the field. And he, field vision was incredible, and he would he prepared. He'd be leaving with five to ten tapes under his arm to go home and continue to study. He was a magical guy. He had great judgment. And, yeah, I see some of those things in Tom Brady, but I take Joe Montana ten out of ten times. Hey, Dwight, I'll tell you what I can see. I can see we're out of time. But it's always, always great to hear from you. And I'll tell you what, we'll look for you when we come out to Super Bowl 50. All right, guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. That was former 49ers star Dwight Clark. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the best of the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. 
Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Well, as you should know by now, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free computer diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Our next guest was the first overall pick of the 1991 NFL Draft and a Pro Bowl defensive tackle with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm talking, of course, of Russell Maryland, who won an Outland Trophy at the University of Miami and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2011. Russell knows a little. Uh, actually, no, he knows a lot about winning. Start on two national championship teams at Miami and three Super Bowl champions with the Dallas Cowboys. And we are pleased to have him here with us today. Russell, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I'll tell you what, I, I visited the Hall of Fame in Canton a couple of times with hopes of maybe going there one day, but this, I've never been to the Talk of Fame, so I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> hey, you're halfway home. You're halfway there. That's right. Thank you. That sounds good. Hey, Russell, the, the Cowboys were interested in Rocket Ishmael with the first overall pick of the 91 draft, but in the weeks leading up to the draft, he signed with the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. How and when did you find out you were going to be the first pick by the Cowboys? You know, it, it, it was funny. That that whole uh, offseason, uh, you know, we had a pro day at the University of Miami about a month before the draft. I saw Coach Johnson, and Coach Johnson was kind of, you know, he came to, up to me. He was like, you know, Russ, uh, you know, Hey, uh, we know we know your background. We don't have to do much work. We're gonna come and get you. And uh, at the time, I was projected to go, you know, uh, top half of the first round. Uh, but specifically, uh, the Rams. Coach John Robinson, I believe, at the time was coach of the Rams, and he really needed a defensive lineman. And I was like, yeah, thanks, coach. I appreciate it. I just thought he was just talking, you know. And uh, then as the weeks went by, and then you know the Cowboys shifted up to number one, uh, and then. Uh, you know, Rocket did his thing, and it became a, re- uh, a reality. I was like, man, this may really happen, you know, if Coach comes to get me. And it, But it really didn't. I remember when Rocket, maybe it was a few days before the draft, he was sitting with uh, maybe uh, it was it was a, a, a hockey game with Bruce McNall and Magic Johnson, and I saw him in the stands. It was like it was a done deal. I said, you know, this thing might happen. So, Really, I wasn't for sure until like that, you know, that day before when my agent was telling me, like, "Hey, we're gonna get this done, and you're going, you're going to Dallas." And uh, it was uh, it, it, so it was really close up to that point before uh, before draft day. Russell, how much pressure did you feel, you know, having to live up to the expectations of being the first uh, overall pick in the draft? You know, we had one of those here in New England with Ken Sims when he came from Texas, and he had a lot of trouble mm-hmm. with 
Uh, he was a good player, uh, but you know, if you come in as the number one guy, you're supposed to be, you know, reinvent the game. Did you feel a lot of pressure? <laughs> well, you know, what? It, it was a lot of pressure, as you can imagine. I mean, it was a really an incredible amount of pressure. Uh, you know, I remember that first day when uh, we when we all came together after the draft and the rookies were there. I, I came into the locker room and it's like all eyes were on me. <laughs> and uh, you know, after having uh, gotten Emmitt Smith uh, in the first round the year before and having gotten Troy Eggman a couple years before that at number one pick, it's like you're supposed to be like a skilled player and you know, uh, big name guy. And it's like we got this. <laughs> kind of looked at me and like, man, this is, they're really unimpressed and disappointed. And uh, you know, but uh, so me coming from Miami, I never had any doubt that I'd be successful because of really two things. So I had great mentors going into that locker room. Uh, you know, with Jeff Jeffcoat, he was a, a guy that already had played like seven, eight years, and he really took me under his wing. And I and I appreciated that a lot. And Tony Tolbert, uh, he's a, a big time mean defensive end out of UTEP. He took a liking to me. I guess I was one of the only guys he didn't really hate. So <laughs> he, he really uh, he really took me under his wing. And uh, uh, you know they they kept they kept me going. They taught me how to be an NFL uh, player. And uh, really more impo- most importantly, anytime that I even had any doubt in myself, which was very little. Uh, uh, I just say, you know, hey, I'm from Miami. You know, uh, you know, we. I, I spent the last five years with trained killers. You know, and not not literally, guys, not literally. But <laughs> I had that supreme confidence that uh, that was instilled in us by by Jimmy Johnson. And we're speaking with former number one draft pick Russell Maryland. He's not with Trained Killers today. He's with the Talk of Fame Network. And <laughs> Russell, uh, talking about Miami, you were recruited there by Jimmy Johnson, and then you were drafted by him in Dallas. Uh, how instrumental was he in your success? Oh, man, Coach Johnson, I tell you what, I owe uh, all of my success really, t- uh, you know, to him uh, playing you know, just in, with football in general. I mean, Coach Johnson – uh, he's a great manager of men, of young men especially, and uh, uh, he just didn't go out there and recruit, uh, you know, all blue chip guys and just kind of put them in the cookie cutter situation and made them quote unquote cardboard cutouts. He got guys with great potential, uh, guys <clears throat> that could run, that were fast, and guys that were smart. And uh, he had a great set of uh, assistant coaches, you know, your Butch Davises, your um, Dave Wanstead, your Tommy Tuberville's. Yeah, those rooms, those types of guys that he had, Dave Campos. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. That we, once he put us in those uh, under the tutelage of those guys in those situations, we were able to. Uh, he was able to build a culture and get the best out of all of us. So that was really, uh, you know, how he was so, uh, you know, successful with us and how he was instrumental in uh, getting me to where uh, he got me to. So you were drafted by a team coming off five consecutive losing seasons, yet inside of two years you became a Super Bowl champion. How was such a transformation possible? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> i tell you what. I'd say two words, Russell Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, uh, you know, you could have a lot of two-word uh, guys in there. Troy Eggman, you know, Emmitt Smith, uh, you know, and then uh, guys that came in with me, you know, a lot of players that weren't really the big-name players but were solid players like Leon Letts, who was uh, in the seventh, seventh round in the 91 draft, and Eric Williams, who was like the uh, third-rounder for us uh, in the 1991 draft. And 
then you have your, some some guys. You have some obscure players that you really, uh, you know, most of America probably never have remembered or have even heard of is Kenny Gandon, your Matt Vanderbeeks, and your Jim Swanses. You know, all those types of players uh, were, were 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 guys that really helped uh, buy into that culture that Jimmy Johnson was selling. And uh, the guys were that were not only great or good, solid, great players, but guys that really hated to lose. And uh, th- that was the main thing that, that really ha- made us so successful over that run. We absolutely hated, hated, hated to lose games. You had, uh, uh, Russell, obviously your own kind of unique personal transformation, if you will. Uh, I believe the only college that offered you a scholarship coming out of high school was Miami. And I'm wondering, what do you think that Jimmy Johnson saw in you that all these other recruiters that scour the world didn't see in Russell Merrill? You, you know what? I'm correct you on, on that. Jimmy Johnson was at the Miami, University of Miami was one of two. Uh, Jimmy offered me after the signing date. Uh, ah. the, the only other one was actually Indiana State. Uh, I, I could have been a, a sycamore. Yeah, we don't count them, <laughs> Indiana State. <laughs> you and Larry Bird. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Vincey Glenn. I don't know if you remember oh, Vincey Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Vincey Glenn, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, what, so, what did uh, Indiana State see in you? <laughs> you know what? Um, that, I was a guy that they, they knew wasn't getting highly recruited. Uh, and I, I was a solid player. I, I was, I was kind of heavy at the time. I was about 320 pounds. And back in 1986, you know, you didn't really only 320 pounder was the fridge. You know, for uh, Chicago Bears, uh, who, whom I dressed up as for Halloween, by the way, uh, <laughs> for Chicago. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I mean, uh, but really, with, uh, when Jimmy Johnson came into the picture, even before, you know, uh, he, he had some recruiters in the Chicago area, namely his uh, wide receivers coach, and I owe a lot of my uh, uh, success also to a coach named Hubbard Alexander. He came into the Chicagoland area. He kind of saw me as a, a diamond in a rough. He probably saw more potential in me than I saw in myself. Um, I, he knew that I had good grades. I was going to a good uh, public high school in the Chicago area, Whitney Young High School, which is the same high school that Michelle Obama came out of a, a couple years earlier. So I'm in good uh-huh. company with that. Yes, but sir. he saw a lot in, in me. He saw that I had a good family. And uh, he just basically uh, said, hey, you know, he took this back to Jimmy John and said, hey, we got a guy that he might not be a starter right now, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's good people, come from good stock. Hey, Russell, you know how you say you really hated, hated, hated to lose games in Dallas? We really, really hate to lose our guests, but we got to go. We're out of time. Yep. Thanks so much for got joining you, us. Got, hey, guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. You sure, please it. come back. All right, certainly <laughs> will. <laughs> that was former number one draft pick Russell Maryland. Up next, why a certain wide receiver from the Giants should be in the Hall of Fame conversation. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. 
Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Well, our first guest was a defensive mainstay on the NFL's Team of the Decade in the 1990s. Darren Woodson was a five-time Pro Bowler and a three-time Super Bowl champion for the Dallas Cowboys. He played 12 seasons and retired as the franchise's all-time leading tackler with 1,350. But before he did... He's among the NFL's first wave of cover safeties lined up to cover slot receivers for those championship teams in Dallas. Darren Woodson intercepted 23 passes, forced 17 fumbles, and sacked 11 quarterbacks in his career, and he was inducted into the Cowboys' ring of honor last weekend during halftime of the Seattle game. Darren now serves as a football commentator for ESPN. He's been on the preliminary list of candidates for Hall of Fame consideration, and today... Today, we're fortunate to have him. Darren Woodson, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, you guys. Uh, you know, appreciate you guys having me on today. Hey, Darren, safety is not a position favored by the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. There are only seven pure safeties in Stride in Canton and not a one since 1998. You're visiting with three Hall of Fame voters here. Help us with the criteria. What should we be looking for in a Hall of Fame safety? Versatility. I mean, I, I would think that would be the first thing out of my mouth if I was looking for a Hall of Fame safety. And I say that simply because listen, anyone can play 14 yards back in cover two. Anyone can play in the middle of the field uh, and line up there and not have to have any coverage responsibility. That's, that's one thing. But I would say a safety that can cover, safety that can come up and tackle, uh, and a safety that can you know blitz around a line of scrimmage and, and make plays happen around the uh, around line of scrimmage. And, of course, you have to be able to elevate your teammate's game at the same time. But, you know, when I, when I look at these nowadays, I look at one of those guys that can transcend, especially a guy playing in the 90s or the 80s or whatnot. And, and then back in those days, there were, there were a lot of big safeties, you know, 220-some pounds, come up and plug the run and you know, make big hits. But could those safeties games transcend and, and move on to, to later years? You know, it's like you're playing in the offense now where everything's spread open. Uh, offenses are looking for matchups. And they're going out, going at these matchups in one-on-one situations, and, they, and the game has changed. So, can that, can the safeties that played in the '80s and '90s play in the 2000s, especially with the way these offenses play now? And I think that's what you're looking for. Darren, you arrived in Dallas in 1992, the year the Cowboys started winning Super Bowls. 
Your first locker room included Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek, Charles Haley, Eric Williams, among others. When did you first realize just how talented that team was? First day of practice. And I didn't know, <laughs> you know, Rich, I can tell you this. I didn't, I didn't know. I couldn't compare my experience with any other, you know, other, other teams out there because I didn't see any other teams. This was the only team I'd been on. But what I could tell was the, the competitive nature at practice and hearing Ken Norton Jr., and Michael Irvin, you know, barking at each other all day. Hearing Jimmy Johnson talk about the alpha dog mentality, making sure that, you know, he didn't mind if there was a little scrap, a little fight, uh, and, and putting uh, putting together guys and putting them in, in competition and letting everybody know these two guys are right now, these two safeties are in competition. Someone's going to win out. And I just thought he, he liked that volatile mentality. Jimmy Johnson loved that volatile mentality. And that's when I saw – you know, how competitive this team was and how strong we were. And I didn't know until, I think it was week one, we played the Washington Redskins here in Tech, at Texas Stadium. And uh, it was a Monday night game, and it was our first, you know, we played the preseason, you know, it could go either way, but playing that first game and the Washington Redskins just coming off their being Super Bowl champ, and we handed it to them. And that's the first time I really felt like this is a very, this is a confident team, had a lot of swagger, and we had on a depth on both sides of the ball. You played on three Super Bowl champions. You beat the Bills uh, twice, and you also beat the Steelers. Which one of those teams do you think was the best and why? I would say the Bills, uh, honestly. I mean, and I'm looking at it from an off, I mean, as a defensive-minded uh, guy. You know, Kelly and, and Kay Gunn was, was special. And, you know, you talk to anyone back there, especially in the AFC, they always talked about and you always saw what they could do. And you had like, Thurman and uh, Andre Reed, Jim Kelly, strong off the line. In a defense led by Bruce Smith, you just saw a ton of talent on that side, and they had a tremendous amount of, of, of respect, a tremendous amount of, of, of success over the years. Simply getting there so many times, you know, two years before uh, we even saw them. So, you know, they they are a veteran-laden team, strong offensively. And I remember, you know, didn't see a whole lot of them when I was coming out of college, but in my first year, knowing we used to scrimmage the Houston Oilers you know, in, in training camp. And knowing how talented the Houston Oilers were back in the day, we saw that matchup. I watched that matchup on, on, on film, getting ready for the Buffalo Bills. We know how tough Houston was. And Buffalo handled, handled Houston like it was nothing. I mean, it just matched up extremely well with them. So we knew that playing against Buffalo Bills was going to be a tough matchup week in and week out. I just thought the offense was separated from the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. Was your team that beat that, beat that Bills team, was, you think that was the best of your Super Bowl teams? Absolutely. I don't think it's even close, honestly. I don't think the 95 team playing against the Steelers, we weren't, we weren't even in the same ballpark as the 92 and 93 Cowboys. But I mean, you look at those teams in 92, there was a sense of, there was absolutely a sense of urgency because you had to play under Jimmy Johnson, who held his thumb on you every day. And losing was not a part of the equation. <laughs> and secondly, just looking at the depth that we had on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, Chad Hennings, who was, I think he's the Outland Trophy winner in college. Couldn't even get dressed for game. He was inactive most of the games, and that's how deep we were on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and offensively, we all know we had the triplets and, and the offensive line will probably go down in history as one of the great offensive lines up. So uh, I would say those that '92, '93, those those two teams were as good as any team that uh, probably ever won Super Bowls. Darren, you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. We're speaking with Darren Woodson on the Talk of Fame Network, but you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. You're the only player to bridge. Johnson and Parcells eras in Dallas. Can you contrast those guys for us? Yeah, Jimmy was a guy that was uh, a CEO type. He led by 
you know, putting pieces and parts together, whether it be offensive court, you know, offensive coordinator with North Turner, great coach back then, or Tony Wise, and you know, a lot of a lot of extremely good coaches on the offensive side of the ball that, that handled their business. And on the defensive side of the ball, we had Dave Wonstadt, Butch Davis, Dave Campbell, coaches that went on to to be head coaches in the league. Uh, that came from his tree, and he he did a great job. Jimmy did a great job of putting these coaches together and being able to control the the, the attitudes and the personalities in the locker room. I, I thought, you know, only person that could have ever done that was Jimmy. He did it with a forceful hand, did it with an extremely heavy hand on players, and did it out of fear. You know, fear was a part of if you're late for a meeting, you may get cut, uh, and that's the way Jimmy led his team. Parcells. Much different in the fact that Parcells was much more personable uh, as a coach, hard on you, uh, treated you like a man. He expected you to treat him with respect and, re- and treat your teammates with a lot of respect the same way. I-, I-, I can tell you one thing about Bill Parcells. I learned in two years more than I learned in my entire career under Bill Parcells. And I, I tell him all the time, you know, I-, I ended up getting hurt my second year with him. I wasn't able to play that second year uh, that he had been with the Cowboys. But, uh, the growth that I had under him, I, I felt like that I could have grown so much more if I would have met him early on in my career and been so much a better football player all around. Not just, you know, and Parcells was a guy that wanted me to stop covering the slot as much in the tight end and wanted me to play a true safety spot. So there was a lot of, uh, for me, a lot of affection. He, and he was, he was like a father figure to me. He talked so much about the game and life. Coming up, more of our best interviews from the past year. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are in the middle of the ocean on a raft, finding coverage options that fit your budget as you listen to the ebb and flow of the tide. Your budget, the ebb. Our coverage, the flow. Why tetherball isn't considered a real sport? Unknown. Be at one with your budget with the Name Your Price tool. Visit Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The whole process of buying a home, it was terrifying. We didn't know if it was even something that we could plausibly do. But having this estimate from Zillow, in which they kind of calculate out what the approximate value of that house maybe should be, it took all that kind of scary risk away. I can't tell you how much happier we are having a place of our own. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. 
Our next guest needs no introduction. All I'll say is that we've had plenty of great quarterbacks on this program over the past year. Guys like Joe Namath, Lynn Dawson, Dan Fouts, John Elway, and Fran Tarkin. But there is no one, no one better than our next guest, Hall of Famer Joe Montana. Joe, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we've been be talking. It's nice to get. It's great to have you on. It really is. We've been talking about your friend and former team owner Eddie DeBartolo on this program, and his chances for Hall of Fame election this year. I'd like to ask you, if you were to present Eddie to the Hall of Fame's board of selectors and tell them or us why he should be in the hall, what would you say? Well, I don't think there's anyone who's given more on the field and off the field than Mr. Barlow. I think one of the things that he doesn't get enough credit for are the things he does for people or players and ex-players off the field that he just doesn't talk about and doesn't want people to talk about, that's, that's just his nature. When people have gotten injured, taking care of these guys long after they've been out of the league, you know, there's no owners that do that. There's no one that does those things. He's, he en- enabled an organization when he came on to, to start to change the NFL and the way things were done, how they were accomplished, how we traveled, how we, um, how we practiced, and just... There's so many intangibles that go along with him and how he treats everyone. And he's as fiery a competitor as any player I've ever been around. And that's part of the reason for the success. They all say it always starts at the top, and it definitely did with him. Joe, what made him different from other owners? There are a lot of rich guys that own teams and take care of their players. What made Eddie different? Well, I think there's he, he knew the fine line between not doing anything or being too involved. You know, you, you you bring on the right people in your organization that he felt had the ability to take the team to where it went. And then he just empowered him. You know, I've been with one other owner, and part of that reason when I went there was, was for that organization at the same time because he was similar to, to Mr. DeBarlo. He was on the cutting edge. And allowing Bill Walsh and his group to, to do the things and sit back and not say, well, this is my team. It's not working out, especially early on when we first got there. I mean, we were 2-14. And, and the next year we you know, we saw a little progress, so he kept his hands off. But yet he demanded, just like Bill did, excellence from everybody, including Bill. And I think that was his biggest, his strongest point was knowing that line and when to cross it and when not. I mean, he, would, he was just like a coach, literally. He was one of those kind where we played well. I mean, we didn't play very well, and we won, and he still was mad. (laughs) (laughs) Just just like a coach. (laughs) We're with Hall of Fame. Great. Joe Montana and Joe, speaking moving forward, uh, you left the 49ers in 1993 for Kansas City, and Eddie told us last year that he cried when that decision was made. Did you? You know, he and I have been, you know, it's hard, sort of like the coach, and a player and the owner and the player have similar relationship, but you know that there's something special going on, and it went on from then and continues to this day, and that we have a we have a great relationship. We we're friends, close family friends. Um, I see him all the time. We talk all if we don't see each other, we're on the phone together, and it was really really a hard decision. But again, this is, goes back to my point where. He wanted to trust in the fact, even though he knew
right decision. And the other was that he allowed me my freedom to leave the team, giving me the opportunity to continue my to try to, to continue my career on the field. And that was hard. It was hard for both of us. And then I know it was difficult on him because he flew out here and we they try he tried to do everything he could to you know save me from leaving. But you know a decision was made, and I just didn't think that it was time for me to to sit on the bench yet. And I would rather finish my career on the field. And he respected that. So how how disappointed were you that your career didn't begin and end in San Francisco? Well, I think every player starts the starts their career with the thought that um, you'll never leave the team you're on. And, you know, as, as the game changed and salary caps came into play and, you know, the, the roster numbers were what they were, were you know, dwindling, eventually this is going to happen to almost everybody. And there are very few. I mean, today a little bit easier. Things are moving a little bit differently. But in that stretch of time, there were a lot of great guys. I thought I'd never see Jerry Rice play somewhere else. I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest of all times to play his position. No one will ever, I don't see anyone touching his numbers, but yet he left. He had to go somewhere else. And, you know, you, you're disappointed, but make the best of it. You move on. I went to another great place to play football with a great organization and, and great fans. So did I want to go there? Hmm. I would have rather stayed in San Francisco. <laughs> but I'll tell you, when I got there, and we made the best of it, and the fans were tremendous. And very not only the fans, but the, the players on the team were very accepting of me coming in at the same time. As you, as you point out, uh, Joe, you're still close to Eddie today. That's an unusual relationship. Most players, after they leave, don't stay that close to uh, to the owner or vice versa, I guess. How much do you think he misses not being involved with the 49ers and not being involved more closely with the NFL? It seemed like it was so much a part of his life for such a long period of time. Well, I think there was a point in his life where he tried to get back and I think was turned away or found out that it wasn't going to happen. I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, that uh, I think it was probably the most disheartening thing for him to watch him go through because he really loves the game more than just about any player that I, I said I've ever seen. He, he had that heart and soul in that fight that he absolutely loved, and, and he brought that every time he showed up with the team. You know, he wasn't one to just sat back there and watch practice and left. He was in the locker room. He was playing around with guys. And, but yet there, there still was that line. But this hard is, yeah. At this point in his life, I can't really tell you because it seems like he's, he's at rest with it. But I think on, there's another half of me that says, oh, if you gave him an opportunity, he'd probably jump back in. <laughs> <laughs> like a player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a player. Give us another one more year. Just me one more year. <laughs> We're with Hall of Fame great Joe Montana on the Talk of Fame. And Joe, Eddie has presented five individuals at their inductions in Canton, including, of course, yourself. But Charles Haley, whom he traded away, had him present him this summer, too. Why were people in and around the 49ers so devoted or so indebted to Eddie DeBartolo? First he gave he gave everything he had to you. And it, didn't, and it wasn't just he cared about you as a player but he cared about you as a person. And, and when things were not going well or he heard of things that you might be struggling with, he, he was the first one there. And that's why you see that love comes around and goes around, and nobody gives up on that. When people believe in you, even though you're struggling, you don't forget that. 
and the people around here and you know, the players for sure, you know, will all say the same thing. Is he, he gave, not just on the field. And he, he gave to you often, much as he, he, uh, he knew and when he could help, he, like I said, he jumped in with both feet. Hey, Joe, I was at the 94 Kansas City-San Francisco game. And that's when you handed the 49ers one of their few losses. That's the first time you played against them. What were your emotions that day? And, and what do you think Eddie's emotions were that day? Well, Eddie's was probably torn. Mine wasn't. <laughs> I, I wanted to win, and I'm sure Eddie wanted to win too, but I think that there was a little piece of him that, you know, knew that this, this, it, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right for any of us, you know, but I had to find a way to get it out of my mind because I really had to go on the field and play. And, you know, Eddie just had to show up and his team was going to play, but I had to mentally, I had to prepare myself a little different. It was hard. I've been playing against guys that I, I knew for and played side by side with for a number of years. So I think it was a little more difficult on my side. But once the game got going, then it was just another game. But I won. But I thanks for the one to win. Did, did you did you see Eddie before or after the game? Um, I didn't see him before. I saw him after. I saw him a little bit on the field, uh, if I remember correctly. But um, after that, we I talked to him, and uh, you know we were. He, he got the ultimate prize in the end, so <laughs> he wasn't too. He couldn't have been uh, uh, too disappointed. But I think if he had to lose one, he didn't mind losing it to uh, to us or to me. Although he hates to lose, so I'm sure he didn't like it in the long run. <laughs> We're not going anywhere, and you know what? You shouldn't either, because you're listening to the best of Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. In that neighborhood, it was almost impossible to get what we could afford. So I had set up alerts on Zillow to say, if anything in this area ever comes below a certain price point, it just popped up one day, and I was like, oh, my God, we have to go see it. It's a really wonderful neighborhood. And then to add on to that how wonderful the house is is so cool. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. You are on a spiritual journey towards savings. Your mind is drifting into uncharted territory as you use the Name Your Price tool to find policy options that fit your budget. Options that fit perfectly, like football pants or the unitard thingies wrestlers wear. Experience inner peace with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. 
To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to sos-usa.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest was a throwback to the days of two-back sets and lead blockers. Talking about Daryl Johnston of the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, he may have been the ultimate blocking fullback, taking on the first man in the hole so that Emmett Smith could rush for an NFL record 18,355 yards. So effective was Daryl that the NFL created a fullback spot on the Pro Bowl team in 1993, and he was voted the position each of the first two years. Today, of course, Daryl Johnston is an NFL analyst with Fox and our guest as he talks Cowboys, Redskins, and the fullback position. Daryl Johnston, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Daryl, let's start with the Redskins. Uh, that was a coming-out party for your Cowboys in 1992. The Redskins were coming off a Super Bowl championship, opening the season on Monday night in Dallas against the Cowboys. You prevailed 23-10, taking the first official step on the road to a dynasty. What did that game tell the Cowboys about themselves? I think the biggest thing was that all the hard work we had done over the past couple of years was starting to pay off. We had gone down to Austin for training camp, and they were very, very physical training camps, very demanding training camps. Um, <laughs> I think at times, you know, we, we, were, we were shocked at, at how, uh, how challenging they were. And if you don't get validation at that point, then it can be, uh, it can be something that could impact the team. But the previous year – we had opened the season against Washington as well and, and had that heartbreaking loss, 31-30. You know, that was always motivation there for us, uh, you know, to get back there and have another opportunity. Uh, even though later in the season we were able to, to stop Washington's undefeated streak at RFK. So uh, it, it, was always, uh, it was always a big game at that time. That was one of the, that was one of the stretches during the course of my career that the, the Redskin-Cowboy rivalry uh, was exactly what it had always been back in the 70s because you had those big games with a lot of stake on the line. That was also, uh, Daryl, uh, the first game for uh, Hall of Famer uh, Charles Haley as a Cowboy, and he had a sack, and he was terrorizing Mark Rippon most of the night. How much of an impact did Haley have on those championship teams in Dallas, in your opinion? I think he was the missing piece to the puzzle defensively uh, at the time. Uh, we had we had a good defensive front. We really did. Um, you know, Tony Tolbert came into my draft class. We had Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Casillas. But we didn't have that one guy yet that everybody needed the game plan for. If you were an offensive coordinator going up against the Dallas Cowboys, we had good people up front, but we didn't have that one person that could disrupt and take over a game. And, and Charles provided that for us. And I think, you know, we, we've always talked about the definition of a, of a great player as somebody who makes everybody else better around him. And I think that that's one of the, the obvious things right there about Charles when he came to us. You could see the elevation and play of the other players. Now that Charles had to be double teamed and chipped and 
people had to worry about him. There were more one-on-one opportunities for Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Tolbert, Tony Casillas, and all those other guys on the defensive line, and they were able to take advantage of that. And we were able to put together a really good rotation and create some great depth in our defensive line. Uh, and, and Charles was really, really key in, in doing that. So w- when he came to us, uh, I, I really do feel that he was that one missing piece that we didn't have yet on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, Darrell, the Cowboys had a history of great games with the Redskins in the 70s and the 80s. You know, one team always seemed to be standing in the way of the other. Did you sense that rivalry with the Redskins when you first arrived in Dallas in 89? Well, obviously in 89, during the transition, it, it, it really wasn't there. Uh, I think the strange part was the only game we won was at RFK. So all the Dallas Cowboy supporters and fan base always told us if you were going to win one game in 1989, you should pick the right one to win. Um, That that was the one one, rivalry that really, really stood out to the fans. And it ended up being, I think, a game that kept Washington out of the playoffs in 1989. I think they finished 10-6 and and they were one game out. So obviously the first game you would go to is a team that, that won only one game. So in 1990, we started to turn the corner. But I really think in, in 91 and 92, the two games that we've talked about, those Monday night opening games, that's really when we got back to what it was like in the 70s. Obviously, the Redskins started it off and, and with their Super Bowl win, and then we followed it up with ours. But those were really, really good measuring sticks to start the season to see where you were. Were you going to be able to compete? And you had to do it right away. I mean, that's the opening game. And we all know that sometimes you're not really hitting your stride yet that first game of the season. The way the schedule was set up, it really forced us in training camp to make sure we were we were ahead of schedule going into that opener because we knew we had to play the Washington Redskins. We had uh, Roger Craig on the show last week, and, and he was discussed the uh, difficult path he has to Canton because of uh, the fullback label. You know, there's a certain sort of anonymity almost to the position. And the Cowboys, obviously, uh, in your days, you had the triplets and you. Uh, so I'm all sort of wondering, did you feel sort of like uh, – not, not even Ringo Starr, but the guy before Ringo Starr who played with the Beatles for about, uh, you know, and then everybody. That would be Pete him. Best. Yeah, Pete minute. Best. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Pete, Pete Best. Pete Best wasn't smart enough to realize what was uh, what was about to happen. And walk away. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, was, I was smarter than Pete. I was smarter than Pete. I didn't walk away. Uh, yeah, but maybe I was uh, maybe I was the guy that set up Ringo Starr's drum kit. Uh, I probably uh, I probably give that one to Jay Novacek. You know, I thought Jay was a critical part. You know, as a fourth member, I think the fullback, I wouldn't even say anonymity with the fullback position. I think there's more of a stigma right now. You know, you go back and you, and you look who's in the Hall of Fame. And I, I absolutely understand what Roger Craig is saying when you get that designation, because it's a position that's changed so much since back when it was in its heyday. You know, the last guys that, that were brought into the Hall of Fame as fullbacks was in the golden era of the position. You know, John Henry Johnson, Jim Brown, Marion Motley, Joe Perry, Jim Taylor, uh, and, and I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that Jim Brown is in as a fullback. Larry Zonka is probably, you know, your, your, your last guy that was there as, as uh, you know, that, that fullback that was actually the, the main ball carrier. There's other guys in, you know, Bronco Nagurski's in. You've got some other players that were there uh, that were two-way players back in the day. But once we got out of the 60s and really the mid-70s, uh, as that position started to change, it's going to be difficult for anybody to get in with the fullback designation. You know, the fact that, that Rocky Blyer, statistically he did things that most fullbacks were not doing in the 70s. You know, he's not in there yet. Uh, you look at Jim Braxton blocking for O.J. Simpson, Matt Suey blocking for Walter Payton. I, I think the Hall of Fame is, is really one of those things. You've got to have a, a great resume, and statistics are going to be one of the, the important parts about that. 
you talked about the fact that the Pro Bowl was not even afforded to the fullback position until 93. That's one of the big criteria that's there. Statistically, the guys that played in the 80s and 90s and 2000s just aren't going to have the stats necessary. And we'll wait to see what happens with John L. Williams and, and Larry Centers and guys like that that played this, the position and had some good statistics. But I, I just don't know. Uh, and you know, Roger Craig was a great player on a great team. And, uh, you know, it's probably that, no, 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 I'm not a fullback. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a running back slash halfback. There's a follow-up, but do you ever look back, uh, ever waste any time looking back at those guys, the John Henry Johnsons of the world, saying, boy, if I was playing back then, everything would have been different. Of course, you wouldn't have made as much money, but, but everything would have been different. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan of the game. Uh, I love the history of the game. Um, to watch the guys play the position back then, I grew up in a Packer household, so, you know, Jim Taylor was somebody I was very familiar with. Um, I, I probably can be accused of being a bandwagon Dolphin fan. Uh, I, I was really getting into football uh, when the Dolphins were in the middle of their heyday, so I have always been a huge Larry Zonka fan. Um, and then, obviously, with the Cowboys-Steeler rivalries in the Super Bowl, you, you kind of – how could you not be a Rocky Blyer fan? You know, I loved what Matt Suey did for Walter Payton. Uh, and then Tom Rathman, when I was in high school and college, you know, Tom was the guy – If if I was playing that position, that's that's who I wanted to be. So I don't regret not playing back in that day. Uh, it would have been fun to be more two-dimensional. I, I really I think that's why I'm, I'm surprised that Rocky Blyer hasn't gotten more consideration. You know, I, I think he's really kind of that last that last fullback that was in the backfield that really was a dual threat. You know, you had Franco Harris there, obviously, but you know Rocky Blyer was very effective. You know, from the fullback spot. So it's one of those things that the the way the game has changed, and everybody's got their uh, the reasons why and uh, what they think happened. But uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a position that seems to be under constant evolution, and uh, we're to the point now it's evolved so much that they don't even really need it. <laughs> they really don't even need it anymore. <laughs> hey, Daryl, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck setting up Ringo's next drum kit. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got it, you got it. I'll see if we get, uh, I'll see if I get some autographs for us. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Thanks, Daryl. Coming up, more of our best interviews from the past year. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like, I can't believe it. Burger King made a grill dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. 
Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Our next guest needs no introduction. Ronnie Lott, not only is a Hall of Fame safety, he's a member of the Hall's 75th anniversary team. He's also a returning guest on the show, and he's here to talk to us about one of the new arrivals to Canton. Ronnie, thanks for joining us. You're quite welcome. Ronnie, your former owner and someone you care deeply about, someone we know a lot about, we had him on the show last week, Eddie DeBartolo Jr., was elected to the Hall of Fame last week on his fourth try as a finalist. So who was happier, Eddie or the guys like you who played for him? Well, I'll be the first one to tell you that if you think about happy and you think about that word, there has been many moments in Eddie DeBartolo's life that he's been happy, happy winning Happy buying the team, you know, at a very young age. Happy winning, uh, you know, a Super Bowl, his first one. Happy winning then his fifth one. But happy right now, you can't describe happy. And the reason why is that it's for life. It's for eternity that he is part of a great community, a great community. And I have the good fortune of being able to go in with Mr. Rooney. And Mr. Rooney and all the things that he stands for, all the things that they've done for football, all the things that allow them to be champions, the Steelers. And here we are with Mr. DeBarlow. All the same kind of ingredients, all the same type of things. And, yes, he is very, very happy, and we're all very, very happy for him. Ronnie, you know, it's unusual to have uh, so many former players, you know, rally so forcefully around their former boss, owner, however you want to categorize them, um, and you've worked at other places. What do you think it is uh, about the relationship between you guys and, and Eddie D that is so deep and so clearly different than most owner-player relationships? Because he felt like we felt. He understood how we felt. He played like we played. He gave everything he possibly could give to us allowing us to be able to understand that, hey, man, I'm, I'm in it just like you guys. I'm vested in this deal. I'm vested in your families. I'm vested into the people in, the, in, in, in our community. I'm vested into the people in the company. And so when you think about that, he has the same attitude that we've had, and that is, hey, man, at all costs, let's get this thing done. Let's be champions. And to be a champion, as we saw this past weekend, you got to earn it. There is no easy route. Everybody thought, and including myself, said, you know, the Panthers were going to win it. And Denver had a whole different idea, a whole different thought. And John Elway got that group as a collective to buy into it. He got everybody, all the administrative people, everybody to say, man, we have to be a champion. And they bought into it. So it's not just the team. It's the people that do all the stuff, that, that carry the towels, the, you know, the owners. As he said, this one's for Pat. 
there are many times that we've said this one's for, for Eddie. And the reason we would say it is that he felt the same way that we felt when it came to playing the game of football. Give your best every day. You played for two iconic owners. Uh, one was a good friend of mine, Al Davis, and, of course, Eddie D. Uh, different personalities, uh, different types of guys in some ways. How would you compare the two of them since you worked for both of them? Yeah, the funny thing is that one guy was a coach. He was a coach. He entered into the game, understood the game, learned the game, knows a lot about the game, and will tell you that he was one of those guys that really mastered every aspect of the game. And that's Al Davis. On the other side, you have Eddie DeBarlow, who said, you know what, I'm coming in this game, and by the way, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to find a great coach, and not only am I going to find a great coach, but I'm going to find a way to enhance everything about the coach. I'm going to find a way to make him feel like he's the best coach ever. And I'm not only going to do it, but I'm going to do that with the players. I'm going to do it with their families. And so all of a sudden, you have two great leaders that came at it from different perspectives that also saw themselves realizing that to win, you have to make sacrifices. Al Davis made incredible sacrifices, picking great players. You had Eddie, on the other hand, making incredible sacrifices, finding Bill Walsh, and then really lifting him up and elevating him to say, look, whatever you need, I'm willing to get you that. And if you need to be able to find those type of players like Jerry Rice, and Joe Montana, and Roger Craig, and the likes of others, man, I'm going to be able to help you get that done. And so to me, I think the combination of the two really had one thought in mind, and that was trying to be the best that they can be. Al was, he was maniacal about being the best that he could be, and Eddie DeBarlow, I think, learned that from Bill Walsh, learned that from just who he is, of saying, i got to be maniacal about the quest of being the best. We're speaking with Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott on the Talk of Fame Network. Ronnie, what's your favorite Eddie story? Maybe an anecdote that people don't know. Well, my favorite Eddie story is the story that doesn't have anything to do, anything to do with football. It has everything to do with my mom and my dad. And the reason that it's my favorite story is that my mom and dad have gone to a lot of sporting events since I was 10 years old. But they have never been to a sporting event when a person says to them, you know what, I want to make sure you're comfortable. I want to make sure that the seat fits right. In, in my neighborhood, you don't get that. You don't, you don't get that type of feeling. You don't get people embracing you. You don't, matter of fact, as we all know, people of color have always had people that have said, no, 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 you can't have this, you can't have that. And yet, Mr. DeBarlow said, no, you're, you're part of our family. Here are things, here are some things that I want to make sure that you know that I appreciate your son. Here are things that I want you to know that when you come to the Super Bowl, this is how you're going to be treated. But when my mom and dad think of Mr. Barlow, I'm, I'm indebted to him because he lifted them up. He made them feel special, and it made them feel special when he didn't even have to. So that's why, that's one of my favorite stories. When somebody does something to your family and they don't have to do it, and yet they do it because that's just who they are, that's unbelievable. You know him, Ronnie, as well as um, nearly anybody who worked for him. What do you ex- expect it's going to be like uh, for him when he's up there on, uh, on the podium and he's wearing that yellow jacket? Is he going to burst into tears? Is he going to hug everybody in the room? Is he going to do all those? What do you think will happen when the moment really comes? Well, first of all, 
you know, anytime you put that yellow jacket on, it is dynamic. And the reason it's dynamic, you've got to think of all the people who are able to put that jacket on. So think of Leo Namalini. Think of Hugh McElhaney. Think of Joe DeJet Perry. You think of those guys, and you think of what they, they didn't have anything. All they had was themselves. They didn't make any money. But, man, they played the game the right way. And so for him, he's got to embrace all the Niners, everybody that's come before him, and he's got to wear it proudly. And, and with that being said, that's a lot. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, so, so as you're sitting there trying to get your words out, you're speaking for all the 49er nation, all the guys that came before him. And, and of course, yeah, man, I, I have a funny feeling, man. He, he's going to shed a lot of tears because it also his dad, who is out, you know, with us, is going to be with us. His family, who gave him the break, gave him the opportunity. They grew up right there. They're right from Youngstown. So, man, all those elements and all the people that saw him when he was a kid, they get to share in this. And, and to me, man, he's, he's going to be overwhelmed because it's right in his backyard. Ronnie, we've got about 30 seconds, but I'll ask this stupid question. You going to be there in Canton this summer? <laughs> what? I'm in the front row. I'm in the front row, front seat. And by the way, and I know this, Marcus Allen, man, my buddies, all the guys that play for him are going to be in the front row. All these people that know him are going to be in the front row. I'll tell you another great story. Warren Moon and I... It was my second or third year. We're in Vegas. We're going to see a fight. We go and we sit down with Mr. DeBarlow. Mr. DeBarlow sits there and he goes, who's that? I go, that's Warren Moon. He goes, that's Warren Moon? He goes, hey, he throws him $10,000. So he goes, hey, Warren. He goes, hey, man, I just really like the way you play. Hey, Ronnie, thanks for the time, and thanks for the tip. I know who to go to if I need $10,000, either Warren Moon or Eddie DeBartolo. <laughs> Ronnie, we'll see you in Canton this summer. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. All right. Thanks, guys. That was Hall of Fame safety Ronnie Lott. Coming up next, Ron with his gorgeous or bogus segment. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. You are on a spiritual journey towards savings. Your mind is drifting into uncharted territory as you use the Name Your Price tool to find policy options that fit your budget. Options that fit perfectly. Like football pants or the unitard thingies wrestlers wear. 
Experience inner peace with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number. 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance. It's Geico Insurance where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Just go to geico.com for more details. Our next guest is another 2016 Hall of Fame semifinalist and one of the best all-purpose backs anywhere. Roger Craig was a four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champ, and a member of the 1980s All-Decade team. Moreover, he's the first player in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards and catch 1,000 yards and passes in the same year. He was the league's Offensive Player of the Year in 1988, and he's the only back to be elected to the Pro Bowl as both a running back and a fullback. A lot of accomplishments. Roger Craig, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Um, I just got back from uh, Chicago. I was up in, um, uh, on, on Friday meeting with the biotech company there, and, and I flew into Chicago, and I thought I was going to be able to catch my flight to come back last night, and my plane got uh, canceled. So I had to stay overnight. I almost went went to the 49ers game. I, I was thinking about, you know, you know, you know going just since I'm there. But I, but my wife told me I had to hear him get home and go grocery shopping. So, you know, I got to <laughs> you must be, make sure I take There care. you go. Always, she, she runs the show. Always, well, my wife is a Hall of Famer in my household. <laughs> there you go. Always listen to the boss. Uh, Roger, I'm going to ask yeah, you the same the thing. Boss. I asked, asked uh, Steve Atwater. He was on the first segment. Steve Atwater is also a 2016 uh-huh. semifinalist. But you certainly, you know the drill. I mean, this is your eighth time as a semifinalist, yeah. and you've only once made it as a finalist. That was 2010. If you could get yeah. in front of the board of selectors, and we've got Rick and, and me here, if you could get in front of us and say, listen, guys, this is why I belong in at least the final 15 to be discussed, what would you tell us that could convince us? Well, you know, being an all-purpose running back, I kind of revolutionized, you know, um, you know, as far as, you know, uh, coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, and, 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 and running the ball, and, and it's so clever, you know, it, it's so relevant today that, you know, every team needs a guy like me, that I, my style of play, you know, you know, think of the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, the, the Aaron Rodgers, the Peyton Manning, they, they need guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield to run their system, so this is why I, 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 I think I belong in there, because I kind of you know, uh, set the trend, you know, more like the trailblazer. Now, there's guys before me that, you know, that were, were semi kind of all-purpose guys like Chuck Foreman and, um, um, you know, even Franco Harris caught a lot of passes. Um, and, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the guy, Lenny Moore. Lenny Moore was another one, you know, so, you know. He was a good one. But as far as, you know, the West Coast system, that's, that's you know, where, you know, the teams really, really need running backs that can catch the ball. Look at, you know, Tom Brady, you know, going back to him. He's done very well with it. 
you know, and and and, and have receivers, you know, you know, you know, running backs that can catch the ball coming out of the backfield, which is which is big in their system. You know, I forgot the kids got got hurt. The 30, number thirty-three, I can't think of his name, but he he was a big part of their system this year. You know, and so yeah, I, I would say you know, being the first player to rush for a thousand yards, receive for a thousand yards, you know, and 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 then basically you know move to different position. I played fullback my first five years, so those years I was blocking a lot, so I wasn't like really racking up a lot of yards. I was racking up yards, you know, I did the thousand and thousand, but you know, um, you know, uh, I, th- those years I could have got some good yards if I was a running back, you know, to to, to, right. to solidify, you know, the ten thousand and eleven, twelve thousand yards rushing. Now I caught a lot of passes up. To, uh, I have over, you know, close to six hundred passes. So basically, I have almost five thousand yards in receiving yards. So it's like, you know, um, just you know, somebody got to give me a break here, you know, <laughs> and say, hey, this guy was a big part of the West Coast offense. He revolutionized, you know, you know, the all-purpose guys, you know, to to, to where it is today in the millennium. Um, and then, you know, you know, as far as playing the 11 consecutive playoffs, I never missed a playoff ever. I don't know what it feels like to be on a losing team. Well, Roger, this is Jim Fossil. Good to have you and good to hey, uh, speak How you with doing, you. Buddy? I'm doing great. great. Doing great. You know, the, the the one thing that's missing in all this, uh, and you've kind of touched on it. I ran the Bill Walsh system. I was at Stanford when you were playing at the 49ers. And oh, yeah. the value of you as a back, I don't care whether you call you a halfback or a fullback, you guys were the most versatile. You had to be a versatile player to play in Bill Walsh's split-back practice. Because you blocked, you ran with the ball, and you yep. were a downfield pattern runner. I mean, today's backs, all they do is they swing to the right, swing to the left, and check over the middle. Yeah. You had to run. Yeah, you're right, you, know, you had to run option routes. Absolutely, coach. I used to run corner routes. I used to run seam routes. I, yeah, you're right. I was like a receiver. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, and yeah, and I, I was out time I because you know you, you. think, hey, coach. You know, where I, where I came from, my background was running the ball and blocking. That was at Nebraska. We didn't. I, I caught a total of five passes. You know, in school, and those were screen passes. They weren't. We didn't throw too much to the running back. So I had to read. You know how to revamp myself, you know, and, and 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 learn how to catch the ball, you know. And I think in that doing that enough, you know, people see where my background came from. They say, "Wow, this guy is pretty versatile." That he he, he transcended himself to be a receiver. But you know, the one thing that I, that I, I um, that that keeps me humble about all this is uh, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh just you know Thursday just before he passed away. And he told me, just be patient. You know, your time will come. Just be patient. So that's how I've been all these years. I never let it get under my skin or, you know, get, you know, discouraged or I feel, you know, feel like, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm getting a short end of the stick. I just, I just remember what Bill said to me, you know, and, um, and I, I take that with me every day. You know, ever since he passed away, I take that with me every day. Roger, uh, this is a follow-up on question on, on catches because, and we're talking to Roger Craig, semifinalist for the class of 2016 with the Hall of Fame, but um, on, in 1981 in the playoffs, you know there was a famous catch 
by Dwight Clark, who you just mentioned. In fact, it's yep. called The Catch. It was against the Cowboys. And we're going to start talking about the 49ers-Cowboys series in the last, next segment. But my question for you is, we had Dwight on recently. He said, there was legitimate hatred on your team for the Cowboys. Is that true? Well, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I don't know about the, 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 the guys before I got there. You know, uh, I mean, they, they experienced some things with them. But, you know, for myself, you know, I really never had that that kind of feeling towards towards uh, a team, um, you know, I, you know, because I, I came after all that, you know, after they won, you know, uh, in the NFC Championship, and then, you know, they went on to win the Super Bowl, and you know, then they were the hated team because you know they, the White caught that pass, the catch. Now Joe's saying it was the throw, it's not the catch, it's really the throw. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But no, um, I really never, I never, we never really hated the Cowboys. That was Roger Craig, 2016 semifinals for the Hall of Fame. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Geico presents Kathy, the candid real estate agent. In the master bedroom, you'll see there's room for a king-size bed. And take a look at this walk-in closet. Now just imagine all these custom shelves and drawers turned upside down when a thief goes through them to take your entire vintage sneaker collection. It's hard to know all that comes with buying a home or condo. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Call Geico today and see how much you could save on condo and homeowners insurance. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. 